0: Welcome back to the MTR Network. This is Ro, and I got a chance to sit down with the director of new film, The Silent Twins, uh, Agnieszka Smolchenska. This is her first English language feature, and it tackles the really tricky telling of the life of Welsh twins, Jennifer and June Gibbons. The Silent Twins has been uh, kind of a fascinating subject um, when I first read the book when it came out from the journalist. So when I heard that, and I love your first two movies, I'm like, I'm going to behave oh, and you. not act like an obnoxious super fan, but I love your movies. And Thank you. So I was curious, when they came to you with the script for this one, what about it made you think that this should be not only your third project, but your future English debut?
1: You know, I haven't thought about like this. I just, I just, uh, I remember when I got the script, I was doing mm-hmm. the shooting of my second movie, Fugue, and I, I remember when Andrea Siddle, the writer, the mm-hmm. scriptwriter, writer, she sent it to me and I thought, wow, what a story. And it really intrigued me. And then when she sent me the script, it resonated with me so deeply. And I did everything to, just to make this movie. I, I, I said, okay, this is the story. This is the girls, the women, which I want to tell about. And this is also how the story was told. That uh, Andrea decided not to take a normal biopic, but it was that she immersed into their heads, and it was also told from their point of view. It uh, it moved me, and it uh, I felt sorry for them, and I was really, you know, it was one one of the stories which I uh, never heard, and it was so universal and unique at the same time. So I, I just,
0: yeah. I mean, that's that's it kind of it really translates when you look at it on screen because um you don't know until the very end, I don't want to spoil, that yes. it's based off of their writings and their diaries and all of those. So coming into the movie from the beginning, uh it's a very unique way that you bring them in with them reading the credits and then kind of introducing their world so when you were going through the different materials that were their diaries for the the to, to just shape your point of view what were you what were the ones that really felt you felt like had to be a part of this story
1: i when i read the story in the, when i read the script there was pepsi cola Edict there was one of the uh, june part and i loved it so much that i wanted to read much more and then one then i got the book and i read marjorie's book i got pepsi cola addict book from uh, from andrea and i said wow how how huge imagination they had what a kind of sense of humor they had and how sensitive sensitive they were and i really wanted also to incorporate jennifer's writing because uh, the whole stop-motion part it's based on jennifer's writings and her imagination and also the parrots uh, moment with the uh, with the stop motion it's also jennifer's and i knew that i want to adapt jennifer's writing in a different way than june because of course they were sisters of course they grew up together they were twins but their imaginations were different they had some you know common layers jennifer also Uh, was uh, she drawing she loved drawing and I thought at the beginning that it should be animation normal but then I thought that because they were playing with dolls and when they're playing with dolls these dolls had their own stories these dolls had their own you know biographies and like sisters Bronte then I thought okay that's what I want to I want to uh, found the director who could you know, adapt and who could visualize uh, the story. And this, it was the, the Jennifer's part, but the, the another part was the songs and the lyrics. And the songs, the lyrics from the songs are taken from their poems, June and Jennifer poems, and also the writings to each other. So it, I wanted to, to show the, the way how they communicate with the outside world and between themselves, and to adapt this and to visualize this because they decided not to say any word to the outside world, but they they still desperately wanted to communicate with the outside world as artists.
0: I think it's really fascinating because it's really easy when you get a story that is as as compelling and heartbreaking as this one is, people see, especially when they're black women. People see those stories and they kind of want you to lead from the tragedy, but you you very carefully led from like making a new way for them to communicate in a way that they never managed when they actually were young and they were alive. And I found that to be really compelling. So here that the layers of the the lyrics and the music comes from their work is is a very fascinating thing. But I also noticed that like when you were coming up with like the light and the dark and the way that you kind of wanted to put together the scene composition, there were some really kind of slightly jarring music returns from other parts of the movie. Was that like a deliberate way to kind of transition between their world inside to the real world outside?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Because I knew that the most challenging and the most important, it would be the the moment of the transition of from their inner world to the outside world. When you want to combine this juxtaposition, because the movie is based on the juxtaposition, the boredom versus their inner rich world, the brutality versus victimhood, you know, the dark versus the light. And then, uh, then I knew what is the most important, how to create the bridges, between these two words and then uh, I found that I could do this through the sound through the light or through the elements from the realistic scene for example when you have uh, when you have the Pepsi cola scene and when we when we started to in their apartment and then gradually you understand that this is Preston apartment i wanted to capture the moment of the creativity the moment the process of the how you as a writer can imagine a new world and how you as a writer can imagine, you know, uh, the character in the Malibu and the boy, the young boy in the Malibu and what you could could incorporate from your experience and from your world into your art uh, in this, for example, part, but also when there is a sex in a garage scene and when Jennifer has the first love scene with the boy who, You know she was longing for Mm and with the blossoming flowers it was also written in a in a in a diary in a book that she saw the blossoming flowers and it was very romantic beautiful light and she was very happy and this the lyrics from the songs are also taken taken from her writing and also what she wrote at the end about the first sex with wayne that it was beautiful it was the first It was uh, it was her sex and there was a lot of but it also is taken from from her writing. I mean, that just puts in a completely this
0: is one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to talk to you, because uh, at the MTR Network, we try to find some of the movies that may only get limited releases and really encourage people to go find them, especially when they're based on stories of real people. So hearing the way that you kind of crafted this story, it it, it changes how you connect with these characters because your natural instinct is to kind of think about what's happening in the real world with them. And there's a moment where uh, Letitia Wright's character is sitting and she's like, I like it hits in her head. She's like, I understand why our work is not getting accepted. You know, there has to be something there. There has to be something underneath. So this whole juxtaposition that you played with um, when you were thinking about how to work with the characters, and especially the transition from them being the, the two younger girls. What was the experience working with the younger girls when they were uh, coming up in grade school age versus when they got to more of an adulthood? Was there kind of a difference in the process that you brought to working with the groups?
1: Yes, yes, you know, of course, because uh, we are working also during the pandemic Mm -hmm. so at the beginning uh, of course I came to London before the London was locked down and London was locked down and there was brexit too so it was very complicated situation good Lord yes yes in UK and we we found Leah then we are searching for Eva for for her sister and we found Eva two weeks before the shooting and uh, I could, we were working together on the online, like now we are sitting, mm-hmm. we had, you know, we chat because Leah knew me from the, uh, from the auditions, but Eva hasn't. And then they had to come to Poland for six weeks without their moms. And we spent together, you know, a lot of time we are talking about the, the movie, we talking, but it was completely different because there are kids and you have to protect kids and also the, uh, the story was very brutal. Also, they were, they were bullied at school and also how they, you know, faced the, the racism at school and how they cope with this. Also, when we had to tell them what happened in the end, you know, it was very complicated and it has to be very, you know, carried in a very thoughtful way. Uh, also with Tamara and Leticia they are producers of the movie so yeah it was collaboration from the very beginning till the very end of the movie and there are you know uh, all of us we are women and uh, Leticia uh, and Leah and Eva they are girls so it was completely different way of working but uh, I remember the moment when I was working with uh, Leah, and we are sitting on the stairs when there is moment when she's longing for her sister and she's suffering when she's sitting on the stairs and I and she's very mature and the way how they Leah and Eva how they you know during the shooting and during the work how they growing in terms of the emotions and how the conscious they were about the emotion it was very it was very inspiring for, for me as a as a director.
0: Well, it, kind of, it really translates on screen, and I appreciate the way that you did a lot more show than tell, so you kind of let those scenes unfold, especially when they were young. And there's this mesmerizing synchronicity between the twins, and you can almost see the decisions. Even, I know, uh, my, my question is about, there's a lot that people like to assume must have been wrong wrong in quotations with these young girls but the way that you demonstrated the relationship between them and and the connection between them versus kind of pushing some kind of oh this was what was wrong with them agenda like it's like it it ends up being a really really beautiful dance from beginning to end of the movie so how did how do you navigate through especially once they get sentenced to being in a mental institution, how do you navigate through sticking with that kind of journey without kind of getting heavy-handed with, you know, the issues of mental illness
1: around this subject? It's because uh, be- because that's what we found uh, also in Marjorie's book and we are studying, they were not mentally ill, mm-hmm. they were misunderstood and they were misdiagnosed. They just, they didn't communicate with the outside world, they refused the communication and because they were black, they were condemned to Broadmoor, because they were also misunderstood, and uh, uh, they were put on a drugs, very heavy drugs, Depsicol, the and they spent in Broadmoor eleven years. So it was, uh, it was very for for us, it was very, you know, heartbreaking, and we, we this, we just, that's what I. In some movies in uh, which are about uh, June and Jennifer Gibbons that are treated as a weird something mysterious, you know something what you don't understand. but when you go deeper into them and you see how when you start to read the writings, when you start to read the diaries, you see how mature they were, mm-hmm. how conscious they were, and uh, of, of course, when you spend in Broadmoor eleven years, and when you are put on drugs, and you can't move, and you can, the, it was when you talk with Marjorie, who said that they were misdiagnosed. There they was no, they were treated like schizophrenics, but they weren't. You know, and for us, it was uh, we we knew that we want to tell the story about sensitive artists who refuse to. Uh, refuse to use verbal communication with the outside world and they were put because they experiment with, you know, with uh, alcohol, drugs, with boys and with the crime and they were put to the Broadmoor Hospital.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that approach because it would have been really easy to just kind of switch the script and start talking about and this is where things began to go wrong. But Yes. It felt more like a lyrical dance and and the way that you played around with the light, especially once they got older and some of the even in the scenes when the drug use got introduced and there's this one moment that now is like the most popular still where like the neon lights are coming to their face. Yes. But But when you actually see that scene in motion and then you see like the abrupt different to how they don't even necessarily relate to their family. I was curious because in some of the stuff I looked up, it says that they occasionally spoke to one of their younger siblings, Rose. Um, Was the decision to not kind of add that into the story simply because you needed to kind of keep the cohesion or just not find a way to work that in? Because I was curious, the family fell a little to the background and I I was just wondering how that dynamic worked when you were coming through their writings to try to find a way to make it work.
1: It uh, it uh, Andrea wrote it, so mm-hmm. I got the script, and it was her decision to do mm-hmm. this. Okay. and it was her. De- I think it was rather to, from my perspective, uh, my intuition is that she wanted she wanted to highlight that they had only each other, like, and they decided to you know spend the time together only mm-hmm. together with each other, and just to juxtapose with their uh, even with the family and uh, with the rest of the you know even the siblings uh because they were in conflict with greta of course uh with rosie that that's what you said they 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 they, they have their room together with rosie so mm-hmm. they were three of them and i think she just wanted to to focus on uh, june and jennifer and that's what her choice that, that this is my intuition but yeah i think then when i of course read the read the book and when i saw the bbc documentary i realized that they were together with Rosie, and uh, th- this is not in the script, but I I found this as a good choice.
0: I, I think it worked because it didn't feel like her family wasn't like there. Like, you know, you you very, very carefully inserted the scene where we understand how they came to be in the UK. And um, I think it's it's really interesting that even though the, they're speaking in English for the entire time in the movie, you still get the feeling of that sped up rapid language that they made between themselves, because there's this one shot where you have them pulled back uh, for like just perspective. And all you can hear is like the rapid whispering, but in another angle you gave it and you can actually hear that they're speaking between them. And so I I think it's really kind of interesting, especially when you get to the parts where they're fully separated in Broadmoor. So when you had them in separate scenes, Uh, was it difficult to kind of still maintain that energy, especially when you knew what
1: was coming up towards the end? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, you know, it was uh, because, uh, as I said, Tamara and Leticia, we were so close together and we are working and we, before every day of shooting, we were discussing about the scenes and everything. So we are very conscious what we want to achieve. And uh, also what I wanted and also when you remember at the end of the movie when the, you think that it's that's that's what's gonna happen it's total disaster they were put on the drugs and it's and then suddenly they found the the way how to cope with the reality. They, the disco and also all everything they are vivid and it's etc. It's it was something that uh, I found very heartbreaking because they found themselves in this uh, Broadmoor of course they not they found themselves they had to cope with broadmoor, but they they still were vivid and they still were had this you know they i think they were very strong yeah. human beings they were, they were very strong, and that's what they went through it were, i think it wouldn't be possible if they would, wouldn't be so strong and powerful
0: yeah. Well, i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me i think leaving the ending the way that it is only semi-resolved was like uh, chef's kiss and um it's a very you know that
1: you know that this is the final song the awards are taking from from that's the poem which june had to jennifer and also before this there is also the writing which what's jennifer i don't want to spoil yeah yeah it's also taken from the writings yeah no i saw it and i rewound it back and i was like oh
0: my god oh my god as soon as i saw you put on the screen this all comes from i rewound again and listen to the light and i think it's Uh i think it's a really really smart way to end the movie and i i appreciate you they're telling me i have to go away but (laughs) i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and um I I hope that the public w- it receives the Silent Twins as it should be because it's it's really well done.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you Thank very much. You. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> yes. Okay. Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs> yes. Bye.